So no, uh, thank you very much for coming out this evening. Um, this is lecture number six, I think six, of uh, the history of philosophy and 16 questions. And the key about tonight's lecture is that everything I said in the last lecture is wrong. So just, so, so whatever I said last time, this lecture is gonna abrogate that um, because we're moving from Confucianism to Taoism. And they have dramatically different worldviews in some fundamental ways. In some ways they overlap. In fact, both Taoist texts and Confucius texts use the character that we translate as Tao. Um, quite regularly, but what they mean by that tends to, to, to part uh, quite significantly. Um, of course, obligatory-wise, you have to start with a little meditation on what the hell Tao means. Uh, it's generally translated as path. That's an inadequate but reasonable translation. Um, nature, which will be uh, important tonight, you can translate it as nature, way, um, logos, some translators prefer the Greek concept of logos, which isn't that helpful because then you have to figure out what logos means. So I just sort of moves the problem into a different language, which is always a good trick, but not a helpful trick. Um, so we're gonna stick with path, but do note that it means a much broader sense than that, which we'll be exploring tonight. Now the question, remember this is in 16 questions, and, and it, that is key to everything in Taoism, and it's key to that entire world view, is what can we learn from nature? Um, that central question, we talk about nature, we talk about the environment, but we really don't mean it. Uh, this is the key thing. The Taoists, at least the core Taoist text, really, really meant it. Um, and I should also disambiguate here, it make clear between the uh, traditions of Taoism. There isn't one tradition of Taoism. Um, it only defined itself later when the Buddhists showed up in China, because then they had to be clear that they weren't Buddhists and were trying to keep their turf alive against the Buddhists. But a lot of the Taoist tradition is actually sort of a folk tradition, lots of alchemy and uh, geomancy, feng shui, if you know that one, that's, that's the uh, geomancy, organizing space and physical space. That's all a big part of the Taoist tradition, but the philosophical Taoist tradition that you get in terms of the Tao Te Ching or the I Ching is really focused in a different way, and the way it's focused is on this question, what can we learn from nature? In this case, I'll give you the answer, because the answer that Taoism provides is everything you need to know. Do not be fooled by this. Anything you need to know, the answer is in nature. Here's the problem, though. They don't mean nature like we mean nature. So last time I said Confucianism says look back at history. And we have this concept called natural history. This is antithetical to everything that Taoism believes in. Nature does not have a history. There is no history in nature. We write a history on top of nature. And one of the core goals of Taoism is to get us to not do that. So I was trying to think of examples of this, and so it's like, okay, we go into nature and we say, there's a tree. See, we've gone wrong. We've already just messed up, right? Because there is no tree there. The word tree we brought with us. In fact, the concept tree we brought with us. You almost get into sort of Wittgensteinian territory here, which is why often Taoism seems elusive and, and mystical, is because it's anti-language. This is important to note. There is no language in nature, therefore language is unhelpful. That's the rule of Taoism. Is it in nature? If yes, pay attention to it. If no, it's probably leading you astray at every possible level. So anything you want to know, you can answer by looking at nature, but not in the way that is us bringing our concepts and writing it over on it but in the sense of us emptying our minds as much as possible and allowing nature to fill us, going the other direction, right? And we're terrible at that as a, as a society. The ancient Chinese were terrible at this. The modern Chinese were terrible at this. We're terrible at this. Everybody struggles with this problem because it means giving up all the stuff that we associate with being human, like reason. Taoists is very anti-reason. Because reason is thinking, and thinking is going to get you in trouble. Because what do you think with? They would argue you think with a bunch of categories and a bunch of notions of logic, and particularly you think with language, all of which is misleading and unhelpful. And all of which you've taken in, 
probably from human society. Human society, also unhelpful. Nature, if you go to nature and you look at it, you don't see birds arguing using Aristotelian logical categories, right? They don't discuss the nature of seeds. Seed comes in four kinds, large, small, green, and red, right? Like, no, they don't do, thank goodness, because nature, we'd hate birds if they did that. Um, but, you know, they don't. They don't do that. They get along with being birds. Um, and so some of the things we have to let go of, and we'll just go in order here, one is the notion that we can think our way to a better state of being. Taoism is absolutely, totally, 100% opposed to this. You cannot think your way into a better way of being. What you need to do is unthink your way. You need to let go of your thinking. So it dealt a hundred times in, in uh, Chuangzi and in the Tao Te Ching, I, just everywhere is all this empty vessel, be an empty vessel, empty your vessel. Emptiness is good. Release your mind, let go, stop thinking. It's, it just it says it's over and over and over again. And people go, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, um, I think they mean stop thinking. And it's like, well, how do you think about not thinking? It's like, ah, oh, rats right now. Now you're in this horrible you know, paradox cycle. But the idea is, yeah, as much as you can, just let go of all that conscious thinking process. So it, it, again, if you read the Socratic or Aristotelian or Platonic school, they really have the emphasis on man's capacity to reason and thinking and stuff that we've covered all the way up till now. The Taoists are like, yeah, that's all leading you the wrong way. Because you're using your mind in a way that's unnatural. You need to be like an animal. See, you're a natural animal. The more like you are an animal, the more you are like yourself, which means the better you're being. And all that thinking you're doing is probably just getting you to a bad place. And so they associate thinking with lack of wisdom, which is weird, right? <laughs> we, we, we think, oh, you think, and then you think hard enough, and then you get to some wisdom. We, we all know the problem here, of course, is we've all thought ourselves or rationalized ourselves into doing something that's totally stupid, right? We've all, we've all done that. And in reflection, you realize, oh, I was just talking myself into doing something completely and totally contrary to anything I should have done. And I should have known that ahead of time. That, that sort of the Taoist thing, we do that continuously, that most of our thinking convinces us to do things and live ways uh, that are unhelpful and certainly unwise. And so first thing is they want us to stop thinking. So that's a, that's a problematic sort of assertion. Uh, second thing they want you to do is to, to stop with the language, right? Stop trying to put words to everything, closely associated with the whole notion of thinking, but this, that, that if you continually put words on things, you confuse yourself. And you confuse yourself because A, you misname things. So uh, an example would be, Oh, an eagle is a proud bird, right? We, we, we have it, right? An eagle is the symbol of America. It's big, it's proud, it's great, it's powerful. See, no, none of that is eagle, right? Even the word eagle is nothing to do with the eagle. But if we go, that's the bird, and we go, oh, that's associated with something like pride or power or impressiveness or, see, that, that poor eagle can't even fly. There's so much shit piled on it, right? And all that, you know, it's done for we, we, we've killed the eagle part of the eagle. And now we can't see anymore or experience what's actually there. And, and so that, so, but we do that all the time. We continually make these thinking errors because language misleads us. We, we use words and we think we know what they mean. We don't know what they mean. Now, generally, like Plato talks about this, Aristotle talks about this, a lot of thinkers talk about this, and they say, oh, you want to use your language better. Pay attention to language. What can language do? What can't it do? Taoism says, just stop. Right? You're not trying to use language better. You're just trying to stop using it altogether. And, we, and part of it is this sounds crazy, um, but the other part of it is if you think about it, much of what we do, even with language, when we're really trying to communicate, of course, generally we're not. We're doing everything but trying to communicate. But when we are trying to communicate, right, what, all we're doing is pointing. So the example my friends and I like to use is, is chocolate. So if you've never tasted chocolate, 
and I try to describe the taste of chocolate to you, this is pointless. I mean, I kind of, well, it's kind of sweet or bitter, and then maybe, you know, right? You end up in this whole sequence of language that isn't that helpful. But if you've tasted chocolate and I've tasted chocolate, we can kind of linguistically point to that experience and go, chocolate, you've had this, I've had this. This chocolate is more bitter than most. Ah, I know what chocolate tastes like. And now I know I got sweet chocolate, milk, bitter chocolate. Okay, now we're communicating. But the words aren't telling us the content. Our shared experience is telling us the content. And we're just pointing to that shared experience. And so what, you, what we want to do is try to remember that and spend a lot more time with the shared experiences and a lot less time with the language that gets piled on top of those experiences. And as you strip that away, what comes to the fore, which is, is your experiences, your actual physical, uh, intellectual, emotional uh, interaction with the world, the memory of the world. And what interferes with that, the Taoists argue, of course, is language. So they're always saying, you know, uh, well, read some passages here, but one of my favorites is there's actually a passage from uh, the Tao Te Ching that can be translated beyond good and evil, which was a you know, radical text that Nietzsche wrote 2,100 years after the Tao Te Ching was written. And people are like, well, there's no beyond good. What do you tell your amoral nightmare? And that's what the Taoists are saying. You create a word good, you create a word evil, and then you stick it on top of people or things or objects or activities, and then all of a sudden that activity becomes good or evil. It's like, well, why? Well, I mean, that category is not implicit in there, right? You, the beavers don't have little signs on them that say evil or good, right? They're just beavers or eagles or, you know, worms or whatever it is in nature, a rock. Rock, of course, we'll get to stones, very important. Um, and so that's another one we have to let go of. So we, so we need to try and let go of thinking. And associated with that, we want to try and let go of language. And then finally, paradoxically, these are all sort of paradoxical, of course, because it runs very contrary to our, how we're trained to live in a society. Um, you want to let go of action. And, and what's translated as uh, you know, wu-wei or um, you know, inaction is this is incorrect. What it means is not striving. Sort of doing without stress is maybe the, a closer approximation. Because it doesn't mean not doing things, it means just don't do things that are hard or difficult. Because if you look in nature, everybody seems to be doing whatever it is they do. You know, bees don't go to therapy, water never goes uphill, right? They always talk about water. Uh, in fact, the one way I think they called the water course way, Taoism is called the water course way, because water is continuously used as an example. Water flows downhill because it's easy. There, do what water does. <laughs> you know, that's just, it just, so like, if it's easy for you, comes naturally to you, we actually use that language, does not cause you stress, then you should do it. If it does the opposite, Taoism says you shouldn't do it because then you're unhappy and stressed out. And that's not good for anybody, particularly you. So, uh, you know, again, everybody, you know, we got to work, no pain, no gain, again, is, is the classic, you know, phrase, and Nike, just do it. Taoism was like, man, probably don't do it. That's like the <laughs> Nike logo, or the Taoism logo, is probably don't do it. Uh, maybe do it, but probably not. And, but just take it easy. You know, you're, you're just creating all kinds of trouble for yourself when you do things that do not come easily to you or naturally to you. And so, like water, just keep going downhill. And when you find yourself stressed and struggling and striving and all that, it's because, yeah, you're going uphill. And uphill is the wrong direction. And, and this, it seems easy and obvious, and yet I think it's incredibly difficult to internalize because we don't really believe in nature, and we don't really believe we're part of nature. So those, those are the, the three biggest, I'd say. And then the fourth one, so, so one is, you know, stop thinking, stop using language, stop trying to do things, and, and remember that you're actually part of nature. So I think this is the big, big central uh, lesson from Taoism. It's like all of this 
civilizations and cities and all this great stuff that we associate with, Tao is like, yeah, but probably not good for you. They're, they're sort of anti-civilization in some profound ways, because they're like, look, you've done all this, but what do you get? The red dust, by the way, this is what they call the cities. Actually, the name for the world was the red dust. Um, but it meant that noisy, confusing, dust-filled land called a city. And if you can get out of that, what you'll realize is like, what the hell is going on there? Why do we care? Why are we interested? Just stop already. Um, and so if you look at Taoist like political philosophy, it's appalling. It's sort of like the Republic of Plato. It's like, oh, that's some interesting ideas. Holy crap, this guy's a fascist, right? Uh, you know, but, but it, that Taoist political philosophy is keep the peasants ignorant. You know, because don't give them anything. Make them so they never want to, to learn or travel. It's because they're like, oh, that just makes them, gives them trouble. It just confuses them, creates stress. So, you know, on the political level, wow, very dubious on some of it, but the idea for the individual ethics is really this powerful sense that we are part of nature. And we often forget this because we're in environments that are unnatural, that do not reinforce our sense that we're actual physical um, beings who breathe and eat and feel and touch and smell, and that those are hugely powerful and important to us. But I mean, really think this way. I get that's the key. Taoists are not just messing around. So the Tao, if you're a Taoist environmentalist, like, what would be your idea? It's like, well, let's get rid of cities and cars and technology and money and education and literacy. And you know, you're like, wow, you want to get rid of everything. And they're like, yes. Right? That would be sort of the ideal. By the way, this ideal is being argued for. It's always sort of an extreme because Confucianism dominated almost all this period. So it grew up in reaction to and in dialogue with Confucianism. In one of the weird ways, the Taoists were generally highly educated. And so you had these highly educated, often Confucius scholars or, or their secretaries um, who had these sort of liminal positions. They weren't officially Confucius, but they're highly educated, highly literate, um, very aesthetically oriented, who in the day are scribbling legal documents and sending off letters like mad, and at night are contemplating the beauty of the moon and the return to the Tao. And the right? So it was this, you know, so, so often these people are doing it simultaneously. So, so it's always important to remember that while it sounds extreme, it's generally in a dialogue with the ruling uh, uh, ethos. Because, I mean, you, I don't think you can run a country on Taoism. I think it's impossible. But uh, again, to emphasize the individual aspect of it, this is what it's driving at. That, uh, again, so, so stop striving, you know, basically stop thinking, hold up with the language if you possibly can. And, you know, civilization, mm, we don't need all that civilization. Really, your natural being. You don't need all this accoutrement that we think is necessary uh, in order to thrive. And, and that's where Taoists think we've gone wrong. So let's read a few passages here and you'll see how this hopefully makes a little more sense. So, okay, here, this is chapter 8. This is the Yi Fu Fang, excuse the tr uh, uh, pronunciation there, translation. Uh, the highest good is like water. There you go. Highest good is like, right there you go. So water, right off the bat. Water gives life to the 10,000 things and does not strive. It flows in places men reject and so is like the Tao. In dwelling, be close to the land. In meditation, go deep in the heart. In dealing with others, be gentle and kind. In speech, be true. In ruling, be just. In daily life, be competent. In action, be aware of time and season. No fight, no blame. I mean, roughly there's the list, right? The highest good is like water. So again, they mean really, if you have a question, Go look at the water. And if you meditate on water long enough, it will tell you what to do. Because you want to be. It's the highest possible good, next to probably stones, which we'll talk about. Uh, it flows in places men reject, and so it is like the Tao. So this is, this is one of those crazy, like, oh, wh what, what places are good? Uh, I just love this. His historically, this is actually true. Where people think you should live and how you should live keeps changing. Well, that's a crappy place. No one wants to live there. That's a, ooh, that's a great place. 
you know, let's, let's move there. That's, that's totally happening. Oh, we're, we're tired of that place. It's terrible again. Let's move someplace else. And so we're all in this, you know, huge migratory, particularly the United States. We're just the worst about this. We're on this migratory for the best place. Taoism says, well, look for the worst place. Just look for the worst place and settle there because it's not bad and it's not good. You're just carrying that with you. So if you can let go of all that, then you'll be fine wherever you are. Wherever you are, there's the doubt. So why are you moving around? Seems stupid because you're already there, right? So that, you know, but we don't believe that. We want to move someplace good where the good things are happening and the good people, and I'm someplace bad where the Dalit isn't, which is of course absurd, the Dalit is everywhere, according to Dallas. Uh, and so why seek a high place, seek a low place? Because that's going to be easier. If somebody says, you know, students always ask me, well, what school should I go to? I said, anyone that lets you in. What school should I apply to? Easy ones. Because then you'll get in. Why stress yourself out? Right? Why worry? I really do. I tell them, so why worry? I mean, there are lots of good schools in the world. Just, you know, anyone that lets you in, it's good. It's good. Oh, you know, see, it's, we create all these bizarre categories. Oh, you know, I, I need to strive so I can get into a good school. Well, if you let go of the striving and the whole concept of good, boom, there you go. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> and of course, the Dallas would be like, and let's rethink this whole school thing anyway, right? They would be like, the next step is like, education? Huh, probably a waste of time. You know, that, that sort of, but see, we create these systems that create pressure, and then we respond to the pressure by creating more pressure. And I see them, they're just like torturing themselves. And it's like, well, category mistake. Just let go of the categories, and all of a sudden it's really, really easy. And then people, oh, then people get nervous. Well, this feels too easy. I'm like, wow, that's really a sick thing to say. <laughs> but I, I know what they mean. But when, if, if something's too easy, don't we say, that? oh, this feels too easy, which is to say, I'm used to going uphill, and that pain is familiar, and now it's gone, and I miss the pain. It's like, yeah, you probably want to get over that. Just sit up. This sort of, the Taoists would be like, yeah, I think missing the pain might be a good thing, right? Um, you know, in, in dwelling, be close to the land. Again, you, how to live? Close to the land. The land will tell you how to live. Be close to the land. In dealing with others, be gentle and kind. In speech, be true. So, again, the language thing is always, they always come back to this. You know, try not to talk, try not to use language, but if you have to, try and actually speak truly. Something if you listen to people, you realize we're not doing. Right? Uh, we're trying to do all kinds of things, generally not communicate clearly. Because we're like, oh, I want this person to do something. What can I tell them that will help ameliorate that? Right? And then so we say, oh, I'll say that, and then this situation, and then they say something, and pretty soon, who knows what we're talking about? Right? We, rather than saying, you know, um, I don't know, hey, would you get me another cup of coffee? We say, hey, are you getting up? <laughs> right? That, so even that just trivial, but we do this just systematically. One of the stories I always like um, is a BBC correspondent. Whenever a BBC correspondent li leaves their, their um, assignment overseas, they give them a little time to say you know, what their experience was like. And this BBC correspondent had gotten married while he was in Japan and didn't speak Japanese. Um, and his wife didn't speak English. And he said this turned out to be the greatest thing for their relationship because they had to really work hard to communicate. And he said what you realize is if you really want to communicate, you don't need a lot of words, you just need to be honest. And when you don't have a lot of words, you have to be honest. And he said, man, that's brutal until you get used to it. And then you're like, oh, hey, look, we're communicating. That's maybe good in a relationship, right? So you know, think about how often we use language to communicate clearly, and how often we do not use language to communicate clearly. Um, so uh, a next one: empty yourself of everything. Let the mind become still. The ten thousand things rise and fall while the self watches their return. They grow and flourish and then return to the source. Returning to the source is stillness, which is the way of nature. The way of nature is unchanging. Knowing constancy is insight. Not knowing constancy leads to disaster. 
Knowing constancy, the mind is open. With an open mind, you will be open-hearted. Being open-hearted, you will act royally. Being royal, you will attain the divine. Being divine, you will at one with the Tao. Being at one with the Tao is eternal. And though the body dies, the Tao will never pass away. So step one, empty yourself. Step two, empty your mind. Let the mind become still. So you're not going to cease to exist, which I think is our fear. But something will be there. What will be there? Ah, nature. You, because you're part of nature, will necessarily flow in. So it's when your mind is overactive, overthinking, overfilled with language, it's not just that that's a problem. It actually keeps out the stuff that you should have in your mind. The stuff that should be there. The natural things that will rise up on their own. You don't need to try. You don't need to strive. Again, just let go. Stop doing. Something's going to come in there. And whatever comes spontaneously, ah, that's what you want. That's what should be there because it just showed up. And again, all the examples are coming from nature. So, you know, in, in the fall or the spring, there isn't a big message that gets texted out to all the birds to say, begin migrating. Right? They just migrate. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to worry about it. They, they just, it just happens. And that the, 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 the continuous presence in nature of things that just happen is the model. If you leave well enough alone, empty your mind, you, it will, things happen. Because they always do. We don't believe that, of course. We think we have to push on them and struggle with them and fight them and just, um, just yeah, if we don't, bad things. And again, an example I always like here, or I've probably used before, which is swimming. If you've ever tried to teach somebody to swim, it's ridiculous. Because, like, just relax. And of course, if you relax, generally you float pretty good, and then things are fine. But it's really hard to relax when you're afraid you're going to drown. And so they thrash about, which is, of course, how you drowned. And so this, you have to, like, do the most unnatural thing, and you'll be fine which is just basically relax and do nothing. And look, you float. And then you start moving, and like, hey, look, you're swimming. Life is good. But it's really hard to do that unnatural thing. If I just fight the water, if I struggle with the water, if I pummel it with my hands, then I'll be swimming great. No, no, you'll be drowning spectacularly, right? And so, like I said, it's a great experience. If you, don't, if you know how to swim, teach somebody else to swim, because it's, it's just terrifying. Uh, but you realize, like, oh, of course, because they feel the, the tension. Because drowning is not, doesn't seem fun. And just sitting there waiting to drown doesn't seem fun. I should do something. Like, no, just relax. Just relax. The Taoists always say, just relax. Whatever the problem, just relax. And the problem will go away. And nature will flow in and everything will be fine. And we're like, no, we're going to drown. I have to, yeah. No, that's, that's roughly over and over again. Um, the 10,000 things, that's just like the world. It's just, sometimes it's 10,000 words, 10,000 things. Um, the grow, grow and flourish and then return to the source. Returning to the source is stillness, which is the way of nature. The way of nature is unchanging. So again, it is that just return to stillness. Just be still. Everything happens in nature, but there's no plan, there's no striving. It just is. It just goes on. We don't even have to mess with it. It just, there it goes. It, another example is you can think of like breathing. You don't generally think about breathing. You just breathe. As soon as you think about breathing, it screws you up, right? It's like, oh, I'm not my breathing right. And people say, oh, let's focus on our breathing. Nothing makes breathing harder, right, than focus on your breathing. Um, and that is why it's a meditation practice, because very quickly you can't focus on your breathing, which is helpful, because the autonomic breathing system just takes over again. And then your mind wanders off, which is the whole point. Because, no, we don't want to focus on our breathing. Or, you know, uh, you know any, just anything digest. It's like, okay, now I need to digest my food. I'll focus on that. So, yeah, no, you don't need to do that. It's, it, it's on your way. Don't worry about it, right? That's, that's taken care of. Your body will do that for you, generally speaking. Um, you know, so those sorts of just, we do it all the time. 
but we forget that we're doing it all the time. And so we think anything that we want to get done, we have to just wrap our hands around with it and strangle it. I'm, by the way, I'm the worst person in the world for this. I know this because I'm terrible at this. I just Anything that needs doing, it's like killing snakes. You get a stick and you hit it with a stick and that's good. Right? I'm the least valid person in the world. So then uh, one more passage here. Give up learning and put it into your troubles. There you go. Give up learning and put it into your troubles. Is there a difference between yes and no? Is there a difference between good and evil? Must I fear what other feel, fear? What nonsense. Other people are contented, enjoying the sacrificial feast of the ox. In spring, some go to the park and climb the terrace. But I alone am drifting, not knowing where I am, like a newborn babe before it learns to smile. I am alone, without a place to go. Other have more than they need, but I alone have nothing. I am a fool. Oh yes, I am confused. Others are clear and bright, but I alone am dim and weak. Others are sharp and clever, but I alone am dull and stupid. Oh, I drift like the waves of the sea, without direction, like the restless wind. Everyone else is busy, but I alone am aimless and depressed. I am different. I am nourished by the great mother. Right. So where is the sea going? Right, always these natural images. What's it up to? I mean, does it have a plan? Does it have an occupation? Does it have a direction? By the way, your life has no direction. We always talk about, where are you going? Right? We always ask, where, where are you going? Um, it's like, what? If you think about it, this makes no sense. This, this, your life does not have direction. It's, it's, a, it's a thought error to, to imagine that your life is going someplace. Because this would assume that you're staying put, and your life is like packing bags and off. You've broken up with your life, right? You're taking off, you're here. You know, no, this is, this is silly, of course. Um, but, but your life is not going, you're, you're not going anywhere. There's no narrative to your life, right? We love to tell our stories of our lives in narratives. Um, by the way, I mentioned this earlier, this is how you create a political system. You have to give people a narrative so they can structure their lives around it. That's true, and Taoism is like, yeah, but don't do that. Don't, don't have a narrative, because you don't have a narrative. You're just making it up. And Taoism's like, stop making shit up. It just creates trouble for you. Because what happens is you create a story for yourself, and then at some point your, your story diverges from your narrative. And you read this as bad. Right? Oh, I thought I was going to, you know, get a promotion. And I didn't get the promotion. And so a job that I was perfectly happy with yesterday is now insufferable. Because it did not match my narrative. So that's madness to the Taoists. They're like, you created a story, the story didn't come true, and now you're mad at the world. Or, <laughs> your story is stupid. Stop creating stories. If your job was intolerable, it was intolerable before the story. If your job is intolerable now, it was intolerable after the story. The story should not affect it. But of course we all know the story very much affects it. Now, classically, people say one of the things that upsets workplaces more than anything is if somebody who nobody likes gets promoted. Because it makes them feel like they, nobody knows what's going on. If that person got promoted, what the hell? We're doomed. These people don't know what's going on, so they get nervous and unhappy. Even if, again, they were totally happy before. And then if that person got fired, they'd be like, oh, now I'm happy again. Stories, the narratives, we live in them, we seem to need them. Taoism is like, probably best get rid of all that stuff we tell ourselves. You're not going anyplace, you're not going to be better tomorrow or worse tomorrow. By the way, the American self-improvement movement, all of it is pretty much as much anti-Taoist as you could possibly get to. Because their goal for self-improvement, if you want to improve yourself, just stop improving yourself. Just, if you let go of self-improvement, you'll be so much better than, than you can even imagine. They never say exercise 20 minutes a day. They, but by the way, there are books which kill me. There are books that are like, you know, The Taoist Guide to a Better Career. <laughs> the Taoist Guide to a Better Career. Quit your job and just wander about like in the endless right? That's the career step number one in Taoism. Um, and, and so you, you get these just mad because uh, we think it must be about all the stuff we want it to be about. Thinking better, uh, living better, um, you know, understanding the world better. And it's like, well, e not yes and no. Yes in the sense that they want you to live better, but no, but not in any of the ways that we think we want us to live better. 
oh, I need to, if I, if I just study a little more, by the way, me, right, hello, if I just study a little more, uh, 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 something good will happen. It's like, Dallas, like, yeah, I'll probably study nothing and see what happens, right? We just, like, we're just not comfortable with that. It's like, oh, you know, we've got this big technological revolution, what should we do? Dallas would be like, yeah, ooh, technology, yeah, probably not. Probably give up computers, that would probably be a big step in the right technological direction. And see, we're not ready to do that, and so that, that's the tension. By the way, the Confucius weren't ready to do that then either. That's why Taoists tend to be old men. The emphasis is often on old men because they were at the end of their career, or they would leave their job and then become like the real Taoists because they're like, okay, I've sort of done my worldly thing, I've gone through the system, and now I've decided to just pitch it in. And by the way, pitch it in and not, not do something, like, again, this notion of passivity, I mean, it is, it has, it's a matter of natural. It's like, oh, if you're doing something that's a struggle and stresses you out, switching over to something that's easy and makes you feel good, that's the goal. And if what's easy and makes you feel good is neurosurgery, then hey, go be a neurosurgeon. And somebody must be going, hey, this is great. I mean, you know, just what, what a good deal, well, how easy this is, I love it. So, so that, hopefully that neurosurgeon exists. You don't want the stressed out jittery one, right? <laughs> like, holy shit, I don't mess up again today, right? That's not the person you want. You want the person who's like, poof, I got this, it's great, I'm relaxed, it's easy, I'm enjoying myself, right? That's, you want the Taoist neurosurgeon. Um, but, but mostly that struggle that we're always running uphill to avoid that. So you, you don't quit and do nothing. You, you quit and do whatever it seems to be really like to hand and quite effortless. Um, again, the, the ease, like the sea. The sea's not trying to do anything, but it gets a lot of stuff done. Things happen, the ocean is there. And I'm like, God, so, see, see how it runs counter to all our thinking. And so it is, and this is why people say it's a paradox. And I try to point this out, there's different kinds of paradoxes. Some things are clear, but hard to think about because they run counter to how we want to think, and that's Taoism. It's not complicated or mystical, it just runs counter to all of our prevalences, all of our, our, our thought prevalences. Um, so again, another example, if you say, you know, look to nature, I, I mean, I've, I always say this when you look at this, is okay, I have a question, I'm confused, I'm struggling, it's very human, you may have been confused at some point in your own life, um, I mean, people don't say, hey, go talk to a bush. Just go look at a bush for like an hour, five hours, ten hours, and you'll know. But that Taoism, like, not figuratively, this is the idea. And it works, by the way, I can absolutely guarantee you. I've done this experiment many times. Um, but the best thing, of course, is the stone, or the rock, depending on how you want to translate it. Because the rock and the stone, they are so good at rocking and stoning. Right? They just, there they are, like, just like, at an impress, like, they're so impressive. And wow, that stone is just stoning away. It doesn't, it, you, right, you never see it getting jittery, uh, pondering, like, and it's like, well, how can I get there? That's the goal. The goal is to get yourself to the place where you have this sort of stoning-like self-fullness, where you're just being you, without all of the stuff that we load onto ourselves, and then you're great. Well, then there are no problems. Then you know what to do because you just stone. But the equivalent of stoning is you, though. You're doing you to the quality that a stone does stone. If you can achieve that, which is probably impossible, by the way, they pointed this out, like that's a super high bar. You know, maybe you could achieve treeness. Right, that's maybe possible if you're really great. But to achieve stoneness, wow, that's just, then you're, then you're sort of one of the immortal masters, as it were. Um, and so that notion of, of actually going to nature and watching it, and sitting with it, and waiting, and believing that if you do that, something good will happen. I, I recommend this experiment, by the way, to everybody. Try this out, um, because it's remarkable what will happen. Um, and if you hike at all, or go or walk, I hike. I, I, I say I hike, I don't really hike, I just wander in the woods. I'm never going any place, I never have a schedule, I don't have maps. 
Uh, you should take maps, by the way. Uh, that, that can lead to trouble, I can testify to that one. Uh, but but the, you know, that this just like, I like to wander in the woods. But if you walk in the woods, you'll find people who are like, they have a pedometer and they have a geo-mapping geo thing that's tracking them. They saw how much time they've covered. Um, and you know, it's like, okay, we're taking pictures of everything, writing down all the birds, and it's like, yeah. So they're in nature, but the Taoists would say, yeah, that's, that's, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're naturing wrong, <laughs> right? You're, because you're taking so much with you, what you're doing is you're filling nature with stuff so that nature can't fill you. The idea is to do it the other way around, is, is go in as empty as possible so that you have the time and the space and the mind frame that allows nature to flow in. And then, when that happens, because you're natural, it'll be you that's flowing in. It's not the trees and the stones and the water and the mountains and the birds that's flowing in, it's you. Because that's, that's all that can flow into you. But if you take too much crap with you, it's the other way around. In fact, I saw this ad for a thing that's a, a wind generator that you can set up at your campsite so you can charge all your devices. And I'm like, wow, that is like, that's just, Wrong, so wrong. I mean, it's just like ah, and just you know what I got. I mean, wow. You know, see the problem there? It's like oh, that's not quite what we had in mind. I think certainly not what the Taoists have in mind. They don't. You, you don't see them with the like little wind. That'd be hilarious. Dallas priest with a little wind generator charging his phone. Uh, but but no, that would that would be contrary to the to the ethos of Taoism. Uh, important note here, by the way. All of which is to, to say, Taoists think life is the greatest thing ever. So part of this is it's an incredibly positive narrative about human existence. You are the Tao, the Tao is the greatest thing ever, ipso facto, you're the greatest thing ever. And the closer you get to that, the greater you are, the greater life is. And so, it, we're going to talk about Buddhism next time, um, but for the Taoists, the goal is immortality. It's not to transcend this life, it's not to go to heaven, it's not to be reborn. All these other versions of this, it's not to be worshipped by your children when you're dead as an ancestor. It is to continue to live, because if you live correctly, there is nothing, absolutely nothing better than being alive. And if you ever feel like life is not good, it's because you're doing it wrong. That's the really, it's like you feel depressed, you feel like life's not good, right, you've messed up somewhere. That's really the message. I mean, it's, it's just like if, if you aren't loving it, then da, you, you, you've messed up. Try again, go talk to a stone, right? You just, because stones don't commit suicide. This is the thing, they don't, they're just there. Uh, and they're like, look, the ocean is there, right? All these processes are going on and they're the best, most wonderful possible thing is that sort of the life force. And exactly what the Tao is, by the way, of course, open to debate, but certainly part of it is this notion of a disembodied life force. That everything that lives, and even the Taoists would argue things that aren't necessarily organic, have this uh, strong thrust towards being. And we have that, and so we should love it. We should absolutely think it is the greatest thing possible and want more of it. And so as much as Taoism talks about not striving, which it does infinitely, uh, it, the notion is it should be natural for you to want to live and to want to live more and better and more fully. And if you don't, which we all do, of course, at times, it's like, wow, you really like, mm, you're, off you're off track. You're not living the natural way. You're not doing, uh, you know, what you should. And examples, I always can try to think concrete examples. If you've ever seen dogs, particularly young dogs, playing like on the beach, I always just make, just fills me with joy, right? Because they're so, there's that just, that, that life force and that, they're just loving it. It's like, look, I'm going to stick my head in the water, ha, and they take it in there, they shake it around, they pull it up, and they're like, ha, hey, that's salt water, that's weird, right? And then they run around, and you're like, woo! So that's the Tao. Right? That's that, that's that just, you know, they are not, they are loving life. They're that vibrant, right? It makes us happy. People smile. They're like, love, oh, look at the dogs. They're so happy. And that's always because we're like, ah, I'm not as happy as that dog. 
right? I'm not quite there. And I always think so, you know, keep that in mind as a model. Like people say self-improvement, what do you want to do? You want to become a puppy on a beach. Right? That is sort of your, your goal. Because that's less than a rock, but it's still really good. You know? It, it, and so, but, but that we feel that gap, right? I think part of the joy is we feel like a contact high of like, ooh, ah, I'm not quite as happy as that puppy. And I wonder why. Right? There shouldn't be much of a gap. Not that you have to be, because you're not a puppy, so it's not your happiness and joy and filled with life should be that of the puppy, because again, this would be another you know, mistake. You should be like you, but if you're being you as well as a puppy as being a puppy, then you, you, know, you should feel that way. Then you should say, I'm a kindred with a puppy on the beach. We're, we're brothers, we're sisters, we're in this together because we're, we're participating in the same force and the same vitality that floods the universe. And so, you know, that really is the core message. And you'll see again, so much of the ancient world that, that we've discussed already, um, and that we will discuss when we move to Buddhism and Hinduism, is about the world being not that great, right? Christianity, of course, you may have heard, um, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're all bad, the world is terrible, but don't worry, if you do things right, It'll be better in the next life. Um, Buddhism, like, ah, you know, why is life suffering and pain? You should transcend that. Um, you know, the Confucianism, yeah, you know, if we all follow the rules and get along, things could be okay. Uh, not, not that great. But Plato thought most people were scum. Uh, you know, Aristotle, natural slaves. You know, and you go through the world history, it's hard to find people who are just standing around going, hey, no, life is spectacularly good. You want to be immortal because it's so great, you want it forever. And not because you're rich, or because you're powerful, or because you have lots of slaves, or because you have the big mansion, but because just being alive, being in the low places, like water, is enough to make this sort of viable and great and wonderful. Um, and so that's why when we ask the question, the question is, you know, what can nature tell us? The answer in this case is pretty obvious, is everything, but we won't listen. Right, so this is so it's simple what it says. We we just won't as a as a culture as a civilization. We just pretty much refuse to take any of it in. But doesn't mean we can't strive to. Although that's contrary to the Taoist tradition, um, is is the notion of saying, yeah, can I think less? This is always the idea. What can I get rid of? So step one, think less. So I'm just going to give you a guideline. It's very rare. so because so not doing this seems fair, right? So don't think so much. And, and again, if you track what you're thinking about, how often is it just stupid shit? I mean, really. I'm not, honestly, I'm, I'm not in any way, I'm like the worst offender here. I'll, I'll be thinking about something else and I'll be like, why on earth am I thinking about that? You know, my brain is just it's like a squirrel on the wheel. And it's just chasing a peanut and I don't know why, right? And, and it's like, so stop, just stop. Right, so thinking less is good. Fewer words, which is hilarious coming from me, um, but, but yet fewer words. Can I communicate more clearly if I use less words? Answer, yes. I mean, I, it, you can run this experiment. I've run it, and I've, I've talked to other people about running. Is to say, okay, there's not talking, which is a great experiment, by the way. You know, spend a week, don't say anything. But just say, okay, today I get 25 words. Right? And all of a sudden what you'll find is, man, those words become super valuable. And you're like, ooh, I'm going to get this idea. And it's shocking how much you can compress into three or four words when you only have you know, 15 more for the day. And you can do a lot of communicating because it makes you careful and aware. Uh, and it also should make you, enable you to feel that often the language we're using is not for communication. It's, again, to do other things that basically baffle us and baffle those around us. And, by the way, just as an example, have you ever misled somebody, you know, either directly or indirectly, and then been upset with them because they're confused and misled? <laughs> right? It's like, even, even inadvertently, like you miscommunicate, they sort of understand your miscommunication, and they give it back to you, and now you're irritated with them. Right? I've confused people and now I'm mad that they're confused. So this is not a healthful cycle. Uh, you know, got fewer words. You know? um, but most importantly, of course, the idea is really, really, really 
don't do anything except go out in nature. And by the way, again, nature here is not national park, although national park good. Um, but but tree, bush, rock, stone, bird, anything, anywhere where you are, there's got to be something that you can sort of look at and just go, oh, what it, what is that rock doing? And go to the beach and pick up a beautiful rock um, and put it on your desk and then just whatever it says to do, do that. Right? Put the put the rock in charge uh, and see, you know, what flows out when you really open yourself up to that to that rock. It's, it's, it will be remarkable. I guarantee you, if you do this long enough, uh, it will be phenomenal. And it's the, by the way, again, in, we talk about animism. This is not, a, the Taoism grows out of an animist tradition. Actually, the character for uh, the Tao and gentleman shares a character with the early uh, character for shame, for shaman. Uh, so that's, you know, built right in there. But it's not a personified nature. Animism often personifies nature as being like humans, but just animals, trees, mountains. I talked about this when I read the, uh, the Native American poem early on. In the Taoist tradition, they're not like us. We're not trying to imagine that nature is like us. We're trying to get back to the fact that we're like nature. It's the opposite of personification. And so that's sort of why we're terrible at it. At best, we want to personify nature. It's like, no, the other way around. Depersonify ourselves, which that's the tricky bit. Um, and so then finally, if you can do all that, get into nature, and then just, just let go of the striving and the working and the sort of the self-torture that we do to ourselves, then the Taoists will be like, right, now you're sort of maybe making headway because you'll be doing something that nobody knows what it is. We don't know what you're going to do when you do this. That's the key to it. That's why you can't really govern with Taoism. Okay, everybody do something different. Right? That's not a good way to govern. I mean, it's interesting, but you know, traffic is going to be a bit of a nightmare. Uh, you know, this, this, right? It's, but, but that really is, is the message. Just go with you um, in the understanding that you is coming out of your natural self as modeled by the natural world. So, um, what can nature teach us? Pretty much everything, according to the Taoists. So, thank you very much.